Welcome to Crossroads of Rockland History on WRCR.com. I'm Claire Sheridan from the Historical Society of Rockland County, and my guest is Virginia Norfleet, founder of the Haverstraw African American Connection, an organization that sponsors the annual Haverstraw Juneteenth celebration. Virginia was also instrumental in the founding of the African American Memorial Park in Haverstraw. The Historical Society of Rockland County is a nonprofit educational institution and principal repository for documents and artifacts relating to Rockland County. Our headquarters are a four-acre site featuring a history museum and the 1832 Jacob Lawveld House located at 20 Zucker Road in New City. We're listed on the National Register of Historic Places and a newly designated New York State Path Through History site. And part of our broad and challenging mission is to share the history of Rockland County with the public. And we rely on financial support from membership and donations from people just like you. To learn how you can become a member or to volunteer, please visit our website at rocklandhistory.org. Before we begin the program today, I'd like to remind our listeners that this is a call-in show, and we welcome your phone calls. Our phone lines will be open throughout the broadcast, so please call us if you have a comment or a question. The number here is 845-429-1700. Again, that number is 845-429-1700. So welcome to Crossroads Rockland History, Virginia Norfleet. Thank you so much for being on the program today. Thank you for having me. So before we begin to recap the incredible Juneteenth celebration that took place this past weekend, Tell us a little bit about your background. I'm a lifelong resident of Havistra. My mother was also born in Havistra, so um, and I went to school here through the North Rockland School District. You, ha- you lived in an area of Havistra called the Mud Hole. Tell us where that is exactly. The Mud Hole is located from Tor Avenue in Havistra down to approximately Dutchtown. It's on the southern end of Havistra, of the village of Havistra. Okay. And how did you get involved in researching local history? I never really had an interest in local history. (laughs) I got involved in 2005 when I tore a house down that at that time was just a residential house, I thought, until the discovery of a very special brick that had a cross etched in it. And that brick made me curious as to what it was. And then we found an old business directory and it had on the business directory African Church. And that really sparked my interest because prior to that, we were told that the African Americans came to Havistra to work in the brickyards in the early 1900s. This particular business directory was prior to Havistra even being called Havistra, it was called Warren. So that told me that there was a presence here long before we knew anything about it. And that was about 13 years ago that that took place? Yes, it was 2005. Yeah. So that must have been amazing to pick up a brick and say, okay, wait a second, what what just happened? Exactly. (laughs) The organization you founded called the Haverstraw African American Connection grew out of that initial research, right? Correct. After speaking to Mayor Mike Cohut and talking to a few friends, we realized that there was, uh, there was edu- education was necessary for people to understand that there was a presence and a huge contribution given to Havistra from the African Americans. So I solicited some of my friends and said, you know, we need to tell our story, the whole story, the true story. And that's what birthed the HAC, as we call it, the Havistra African American Connection. 
What is the mission of your organization? The mission of the Harvest African American Connection is to research, recover, preserve, and teach the rich culture and contributions of African Americans with the emphasis on the African Americans of Havistra, New York. And then our vision is through public outreach, dialogue, exhibits, and other community initiatives, we'll promote knowledge, acceptance, and appreciation for our heritage and honor it. Tell us a little bit about the, the people that you've worked with beginning 13 years ago. Who did you work with to, to begin this, this research? I began first telling the story to our outstanding mayor. Mike Cohart is a phenomenal person. I call him the people's mayor. Mike is a wonderful, warm person, and he too shares a passion for the history of all people, not just the people that were in the front lines, but the people that were in those pits, the people on the back lines. So that's why I call him the people's mayor. So I spoke to him and George White and Linda Epps. Those were the first four people that were involved. And then Susan Filgaris came alongside of me a few, a few years later, and she became the historian. Susan loves history, so she began to really dig into the history books. You've done some amazing things in a short period of time to increase awareness, like the African American Memorial Park. Tell us a little bit about the park, how it came to be, and what it's like now. We started with, this, with the concept of the park because we wanted to take people on the journey from Africa right into the present. So part of the problem that we saw is the fragmented history of, of the African people. And those people are inclusive of groups that somewhat don't even know that they have an African heritage. So when you go into the park, the first thing we wanted to do was show people the diaspora. And then the diaspora was that in slavery, people landed, African people landed everywhere in the continent. So we highlight that it was inclusive of Jamaica and Haiti, Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico. We have a very large population of people that had no idea that they're part of this exact history. And it brings us together as a community. So we start there and we journey you into slavery in America. Most people do not know that the North, New York specifically, was the second largest holder of slaves outside of Charleston, South Carolina, more than Alabama, more than Mississippi, more than the Deep South. And that's history that you don't hear. When we're in school, we're taught that, you know, the brutality of slavery happened in the South, everyone ran to the North, and, you know, it was a big party, and that was not the case. Okay, So we, we journey you there, and then we, we journey you into Havistra. No one ever told us this in school, that Havistra had slaves. As a matter of fact, when that brick was discovered, People questioned me as if it was a fable I was making up, you know, and it, I had a, we had to do a lot of work to make sure that the truth was being told and a lot of research was done. And the beauty of it was, like I said, there were people in place that welcomed the story. It's, it's you know, it's, a, it's an ugly past. It's a hurtful past, and we understand that. But it's history. And so you cannot exclude the ugly <laughs> and just talk about the gloss because there's a whole people that were part of that past. So, you know, we've been very blessed to have, as I said, Mike and, and Howie Phillips who welcome all of this and they say it's our history. We have to expose it and so we don't repeat it. So we, we take you through the journey of that and Havistra had 238 slaves who were never mentioned. They were an invisible people. The brickyards were 60% African-American. Again, you, you hear the uh, Havistra is the brick-making capital of the world. 
but you never hear about the people that were in those pits, the people that lost their lives in those pits, the people that worked day to day, just you know, praying out to their God that they can make another day and, and hope that they can build a better life for their family members. So these, this is what we take you through the journey. And then as we researched more, we found out that music was born in those pits. The, in the book of jazz, they talk about hearing the uh, brickyard laborers singing jazz for the first time and George M. Cohan talks about it. He's the father of Broadway. So it, there's discoveries that happen all along the way. We discovered an artist that happens to be my grandfather whose art still is circling around internationally and it was birthed here in Havistro. So, so many facts came out of it. You know, we, we talk about gospel music and people who were part of the Cotton Club and the Harlem Renaissance as Geneva Powell and Hattie Lassiter. All this was hidden history. So the park highlights all of that, and it gives people a sense of pride. It gives everyone the sense that we were a community, and far beyond division, that we come together and we make this happen. And it's, it's just an incredible place to be. There's a spirit of calm in there, peace, and we hope to keep promoting that, educating people to let them know that we're definitely better together as a people, all people. And, and again, I'm gonna have to mention Mike, the beauty of the, the relationship between Howie and Mike and, you know, the chief of police, Charlie Miller, and myself just working this thing so people can see a community can come together and stand as one. And all people can be promoted and go forward. And if you leave anyone behind, then your community is not a success. The park is located at the end of Clinton Street. And that's significant because Clinton Street is one of the last original areas that African Americans live. So, you know, it was an honor to put the park there. Uh, you're listening to WRCR and Crosswoods of Rockland History. I'm Claire Sheridan, and my guest today is Virginia Norfleet, founder of the Haverstraw African American Connection, an organization that sponsors the annual Haverstraw Juneteenth celebration. Virginia Norfleet was also instrumental in founding the African American Memorial Park. Just a reminder that the phone lines are open, so if you have a question or a comment, you can call us at 845-429-1700. That number again is 845-429-1700. Another part of your work has been to initiate a Juneteenth celebration in Haverstraw. For anyone unfamiliar with Juneteenth, tell us what Juneteenth is. Juneteenth is the oldest nationally celebration um, ending slavery in the United States. It serves as a historical milestone reminding us that the last slaves that were freed were in Galveston, Texas, and it was two years after the emancipation. So it's Juneteenth is equal to the Fourth uh, of July for African Americans, and it's celebrated all over the country. Rockland County didn't have they had a Juneteenth celebration in Spring Valley a few years back, from what I understand, but it kind of fizzled out. So we have taken it on. And we've decided that we're going to celebrate it every year. And every year gets bigger as we educate people on what's going on or what has gone on in our past. That's great. The Haverstraw event began about three years ago. Tell us a little bit about that. Correct. Uh, we were trying to find a way to bring people into Haverstraw to share our history. And so I went to the board and to Mayor Kohut and asked if we can have this celebration. And it's, a, it's a quite a task to take on because we shut down the streets, we, we raised the flag in the village, and it's the only village that I know in, in New York, period, that raises the African-American flag along with the American flag. We sing, uh, Lift Every Voice and Sing, which is our national song. 
And then the following day, we reenact different things, whether it be storytelling, exhibits, uh, always gospel music because the church is the heart of our people. It's just, it's the beginning of our story, it's the end of our story. And it was the only thing that carried us through all the atrocities that happened to our people. So we tell that story and um, it's, it's growing every year. So we decided that we were gonna take that on and that's how it was birthed. That's great. So this year's celebration was just this past weekend. Tell us a little bit about the things that you did over the weekend to celebrate Juneteenth. The first year we did Juneteenth, we brought you from Africa into America, and it was called The Journey. Um, and it was the beat of the drum and the whole thing about landing on the, this land. The second year, it was called The Journey Continues, and we brought you into Havistro and the local history and the birth of the church and... and that was a beautiful thing. And then this year, we paid honor to our matriarchs of, of the local community. Some of the people who were here, who really carried the community, people wouldn't know who they were. It was our mothers, it was our grandmothers, and we reenact their story of what it was for them to feel, how it felt to be here in Havistra. And how did you decide that matriarchy would be the theme for this year? It's the year of the woman. <laughs> uh, we have... The, the black community is known for having strong women. It was, the, it was our mothers and our grandmothers and our great-grandmothers and our aunties and even our neighbors who, in our community, we call, everybody is your auntie. You know, your, your elders, you just don't walk up to them and say, hey there, Helen. You, you know, they become, you know, your family members. And one of the things that happened in slavery and it still continues now is that the strength of our families is not by our DNA, but it's by our heartstrings. We learn to love the people who are with us and we become a family. And so we wanted to show those stories of how these women interchange their relationships because they, a lot of them did leave the South and left their families and left everything they know. And they come up here and they, they're by themselves. And so you, you attach into your, to your neighbors and you become, the relationships are so strong. So we, we showed that. And the birth of the church, the women carried the church. A lot of the men, they were there, but they were so tired and exhausted from working and trying to survive that a lot of the women were in the for forefront. So that's what we highlight. Next year would be the men's time. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking a little bit before the program began about how so much of what, and this is true, I think, throughout certainly the, the history of the Afri African-American diaspora in not only in Rockland, but in New York State, so many of the stories are passed down, uh, certainly with the Underground Railroad. You know, these are things that weren't written down because it was secret. You know, it, was, it had to be secret in order to be safe. Yeah. Talk a little bit about how the, the oral histories are a valuable base for you to begin and continue this research. Well, as you know, most um, slaves were not educated. They didn't have the ability to write, but what they did bring from Africa was their story. And the stories pass on. And I was very blessed to be in the in Havistress community where a lot of the elders, I sat amongst them. And I guess I was just an old soul before my time because I liked these stories. I just thought it was incredible that these people can take nothing and make something of it and still be very, you know, happy about life and just being there. And because of my, my family background and very um, entwined into the church, the church nurtured those stories, carried those stories on. The church was a, a big, uh, one of the main vehicles for the Underground Railroad. 
So I was able to sit amongst some of those people and, you know, document their stories and talk to them and really begin to dig. And even upon the, uh, the founding of the brick, I remember going across the street to a, a, a neighbor, her name was Dorothy Watkins, and I said to her, do you know anything about that house across the street? And she said, I don't know much, Jen. She said, but I re do remember this. My mother uh, was a Sunday school teacher there. And that was one of the things that I started to dig into was the churches and how it all entwined. And I started talking to every all the other neighbors. And I could remember stories of my grandmother being in the Fairmount Baptist Church. We'd be in the basement and the older people then who were here from the early, early 1900s because uh, we're talking about the 60s now when I would be down there with them and they would share their stories of what it took for them and how important it was for us to be educated and to give back to our community but most of all to remember that it was our God that brought us through and never forget that. So, you know, those are the seeds that were sown in me at an early age. I didn't even recognize them until the discovery of the brick in 2005 and all of this started to come back. So, it was meant to be. And when you, when you look back on your uh, education in the in North Rockland High School, for example. Did you learn anything about local history then, or no? As a matter of fact, um, and I love North Rockland High School, but the history that was taught to us was the history that was written in the books. And basically, when you got to February for Black History Month, you almost you would cringe, you were embarrassed, because you know they would talk about slavery in the South. And what you were taught were that you were just labor, you were equal to an animal, basically, and you were, you were just something to make money. And, you know, we hated that month because there was no pride given. There was nothing. It was almost like you were second-class citizens, and then there was nothing to equal us out later on. So you'd walk around with this feeling like, you know, we were almost not good enough to be here, and our only contribution was to be a laborer. Nothing about the pride, nothing about the glory, nothing about the tenacity of these people that made it through all of that. And even after all of that happened, to still want to teach your kids, which, which is why I'm always in awe of my mother, father, to still teach your kids to be part of this community and to still serve, and we still do. You know, my sister's a, a pastor, my brother's a doctor of education. I mean, our family line continues, and we still give back constantly to this village and to this state. And it's an honor. You know, we're not upset about what has happened because we can't change history. But what we should know is that our kids and your kids should know that we didn't just pick to come here, but when we got here, we made the very best of a very bad situation. And God has given everybody that ability to turn a tragedy into a victory. And that's the story of the people of Avistra. It's so wonderful that you have taken this on. I honor you for that. That's, that's wonderful. Thank you. Have you seen the attendance grow every year at Juneteenth? Juneteenth continues to grow, and I think it's the passion of the people of Havistra. Again, you know, Havistra is the, is the best community <laughs> in New York State, I'm going to say. It's, it's a community that the politicians, the people, the police, and the preachers come together. And that's rare, that you can say everybody can sit at the table know their particular contribution to this thing to move this forward. And that's what I love about it. We can pull in everyone, everyone gets along, and even if we disagree, we can find a way to get through it. But we all agree that the story has to be told. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
I'm sure you're all ready. I mean, you take a deep breath out of, uh, and then you start planning for next year, I bet. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. We, we are planning um, for next year, but one of the things that we will carry over, I think, from this point on is this year we did an exhibit table, and the, the exhibit had, again, we brought you from Africa to America, and it was showing, if, you're, if you know, when I, uh, in the past, when people talk about Africa, a lot of times people think of Africans as savages, these people that needed to be domesticated and trained and everything. So we show you the pride of Africa, the kings and queens. We had diamonds and gold, and the, we showed you the fruits of the, the land and, and the riches of Africa. And then we had a ship that brought you across the water into Charleston, South Carolina. And we show you the slave mart, and we actually have a brick from one of the slave cells, which was called a barracoon. And when I went to Charleston, and I got the brick, and I said, what is a barracoon? Because that's a word I've never heard. The gentleman told me, sound it out slowly. It was called bar a coon. And so we actually had that brick on display. Uh, We have shackles. We had cotton, which was the king of the south. And then we bring you into the king of the north, which was the brick. And the brickyard, we have shackles from here. And we have the the brick uh, from the cornerstone of the church. And I I show you the census that has Havistra, New York in 1790, 238 slaves. That's just phenomenal. Was that ever in a history book here? Never taught here. So we bring you through that. But then we start to bring you into the glory days. And the glory days takes you, and it all starts in the church. And... You have to understand, these people are going six days a week, 18 hours a day, whether they're nine months pregnant, whether they die in the middle of that field, you put them to the side and you continue to work. So on that seventh day, when they step into that church and they lay their burdens down, it becomes the story. It becomes the storytelling. It becomes, it becomes their faith into action. It becomes them holding each other up saying, we will make it another day. And one of the things that, you know, one of the songs, one of the favorite songs of the black church is Amazing Grace, you know. And the other thing is we sing the song called Down Through the Years. God's been good to us. So when you when you think about them working six days a week and on the seventh day, we still aren't in a rush. If you go to a black church, we're in no rush to come out of there. We're in there for a couple of hours. Anyone listening, if you come to our church, we're going to be in there because we understand that it was only through grace that we made it thus far. It's excellent. And I'm sorry for sounding like a preacher. My mama was a preacher, so you hear it come out. Well, of I love it. Are you kidding? This is, this is fantastic. If people are interested in learning more about the park, the organization, or upcoming Juneteenth celebrations, how can, how can people find out more? We're on Facebook, so they can look under the Havistra African American Connection. You can con- uh, contact us through Facebook. Our address is Havistar African American Connection, P.O. Box 756, 756, Havistar, New York. And also, we can be contacted at the phone number is uh, 914-414-0482, and we're working on our website now, so it should be up and running very soon. Great, and we, we will put all of this information on the website at rocklandhistory.org as well. Just a you know, sort of a final thought, teaching about in, the enslaved people is very difficult to do, but it's critical. It's, it's critically important. And there was a wonderful piece on NPR education uh, just about how, you know, without teaching the truth about the enslaved people, you can't teach about the civil rights movement truthfully. 
can't really teach American history truthfully. Talk a little bit about that and what, what you think about that. I think the difference of how you teach it is who's teaching it. Because although slavery, we know, was a horrific thing, there are some beautiful things that come out of it. So along with teaching how bad it was, the beatings, the whippings, the molestation, whatever you want to talk about with slavery, when you start showing the other side, which was the strength of the people that were in it, the faith of the people, the birth of the church, the impact that we've had on America at large, when you balance it out, people can understand the horrific part of it, but people honor the good pieces that came out of it. And our relationships are still strong this day because of it, because we had to learn that all we had was each other to lean on. And to tell you the truth, if America just took that piece of slavery to learn that it takes each of us to contribute and to lean on each other, it doesn't matter your color, it doesn't matter your religion, doesn't matter. There's room for everyone. And that is the piece of slavery that I tried to teach. There was room for everyone because through it all, all of white people weren't bad. All of, you know, the Indians were consumed in this thing. There were a lot of people in. It took all of us to get us here. It's going to take all of us to keep America great. No one should be excluded. And that's where you start to balance it out. And it's not to diminish the harshness of slavery. It's to embrace the camaraderie, the camaraderie of the people that were involved. Because even through civil rights, you know, you hear Martin Luther King, but not many people talk about the lawyers that lost their lives. There are a lot of Jewish people that were, went through people, the same things we went through at the time because they were fighting for civil rights. There were church leaders who were fighting for civil rights. And they could push this side. My thing is to tell the whole story of all people because when you get down to it, it's the same blood run through all of our veins. That's the only thing that matters. The outer shell is one thing, but it's the inner man that makes the difference. That's great. That's a great final thought. Uh, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you, Virginia Norfleet, Thank founder you. of the Haverstraw African-American Connection. Again, that organization sponsors the annual Juneteenth celebration in Haverstraw and also was uh, instrumental in creating the African-American Memorial Park in Haverstraw. On behalf of everyone at the Historical Society of Rockland, thank you so much for thank being here. Thank you for here. having me. Please remember that everything we talked about, as well as a recording of this broadcast, will be available on our website, rocklandhistory.org. And I hope you will tune in to the next episode of Crossroads of Rockland History on Monday, July 16th, right after the Steve and Jeff Morning Show. You can visit our website again uh, to find out about all of the other wonderful events and programs on TAP. That's rocklandhistory.org. We do have one more Tap and See Bridge experience coming up in July. There's a few tickets left for that, so check that website. You can also follow us on Facebook, where we have a growing group of friends and fans. You can find us tweeting on Twitter, blogging on Tumblr, and posting on Instagram. And don't forget that many of our broadcasts are archived at rocklandhistory.org. Just go to our landing page and type radio programs in the search box. I'm Claire Sheridan. Thank you for listening to Crossroads of Rockland History on WRCR.com. <laughs>